48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm out as well. The headlines. Liu Xia fears for her brother's safety and will not attend a memorial service for her late husband in Berlin. A mainland human rights lawyer, Wang Chuanzhang, who disappeared three years ago, is said to be alive. And the MTR admits more flaws in its construction of the Shantin to Central Line. A memorial service will be held in Berlin later today to mark the first anniversary of the death of Nobel laureate Liu Xiaobo. But his widow Liu Xia will not attend on concerns over the safety of her brother who's still in China. Maggie Ho has the story. Liu Xia's brother, Liu Hui, has told RTHK that he's happy to see smiling pictures of his sister looking at ease. He also said Liu Xia had told him that perhaps Berlin is what heaven looks like. She also told her brother that she'd met with some friends and gone to a supermarket after arriving in Berlin on Tuesday. Liu Xia's friend had said she won't show up at a memorial service planned for her late husband in Berlin, as her attendance may threaten the safety of Liu Hui, who's still under close watch by Chinese authorities. But Liu Hui said he's relieved now that Liu Xiaobo's wish for Liu Xia to leave China had come to pass. Meanwhile, a mainland concern group has called on people around the world to gather by the sea to pay tribute to the late activist and to show support for the Chinese people who are still fighting for their freedom. A former student leader, Wang Dan, who's now living in exile in the U.S., also calls on people to continue signing Charter 08, a manifesto co-authored by Liu Xiaobo, which advocates reforms to bring democracy and freedom to China. A mainland human rights lawyer who's been missing since 2015 in a government crackdown is said to be alive and well. His wife activist, Li Wenju, told RTHK a middleman gave her the news, but she still doesn't know the whereabouts of her husband, Wang Chuanzhang. She marched from Beijing to Tianjin this year to raise awareness about his disappearance after he was swept up in a coordinated arrest of more than 100 human rights lawyers known as the 709 crackdown. The MTR says some steel bars securing a wall at a tunnel of the Hongham station have not been connected to couplers at all. The MTR found water seepage at the site and ordered the wall to be broken open and rebuilt in March after it discovered subpar works there. Photos recently published by a media organisation showed that some couplers were still covered by protective plastic caps. A MTR general manager of the Shatin to Central Line, Jason Wong, was speaking through an interpreter during a electrical meeting. We saw water seepage and then we opened it up. There were three locations, including the NSL tunnel, and we broke open the concrete and found the two connecting points uh, where the, the, the bars were not connected. Because uh, the caps had not been removed, they were not connected. Veteran politician Frederick Fong has denied quitting the party he co-founded 30 years ago so he can stand as an independent in upcoming elections and bypass a pan-democrat primary vote. Mr Fong came second in the pan-democrat primaries for Lechko by-elections in March but was pressured to drop out. He says he quit the Association for Democracy and People's Livelihood to set up a pressure group and has no plans yet to join the Lechko West Kowloon West by-election in November. I don't think I'm working independently. As uh, former members of the ADPO, I think I, we can work hand in hand. What we need is that do we these days, we need some similar kind of pressure group like in the 80s, that we will concentrate our forces, mobilize all our supporters, especially those uh, who are uh, under the pressure of the policies. And then what we can do is try to using similar working style like pressure group in 80s. 
The ICAC Commissioner Simon Pei has renewed the term of his acting investigation chief Ricky Yao for three more months, despite criticism for failing to make an official appointment for the post for three years. Mr Yao has been acting in the role since July 2016. His predecessor, Rebecca Lee, resigned after acting in the post for a year. Yesterday, the chief executive Carrie Lam said she'd spoken to Mr Pei and told him to better handle personal arrangements. The publisher of a local popular satirical magazine, uh, 100 Most, says it will stop issuing printed copies after considering the business environment for print media. The listed company, Most Kwai Chung, says the magazine will be di- digitized in future to better suit readers' needs and allow better al- allocation of resources, which in turn will benefit shareholders. DAB is calling for the creation of a commission on shared economy following the recent collapse of a bike-sharing startup. The party's lawmaker Holden Chow has blamed the lack of government planning for the business failure. There should be a commission in Hong Kong which has the authority to sort of figure out what sort of policies or measures or comprehensive mechanisms to decide who will be granted license to run the business and whether or how or what sort of sharing economy to be introduced in Hong Kong. A professional esports player says people in Hong Kong should understand more about the sports, which is not just about playing video games. Kurt Lee, a co-founder of an esports company, says esports is different from gaming. 80,000 people are expected to attend next month's esports and music festival, or EMF. Mr Lee says Hong Kong could become a world leader in the industry. These two years, the government, like, they start to support eSports in Hong Kong. They're trying to turn the gaming entertainment from negative to positive. I think it's not, like, way behind to the other countries. Since last year, EMF HK is already showed Hong Kong it has the potential to become the best eSports country in Asia or even international. An explosion in an industrial park in Sichuan province has killed 19 people and injured 12 others. Xinhua News Agency said the blast occurred last night in the city of Yibin at a building owned by Hangda, a chemical manufacturer. County officials say the injured are in stable condition and in hospital and a fire was put out. An investigation into its cause is underway. President Trump says the British Prime Minister Theresa May's plans for Brexit, unveiled yesterday, will probably kill any prospect of a future trade deal with the United States. In a significant challenge to Mrs May's position, Mr Trump told Britain's Sun newspaper that she hadn't listened to his advice on Brexit. Deals that take too long are never good ones. I did give uh, Theresa, who I like, Mm. I did give her my views on what she should do and how she should negotiate. Mm -hmm. And she didn't follow those views. I would, I would actually say she probably went the opposite way. Mr. Trump also praised Mrs. May's former Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson, who resigned over Brexit this week, saying he would make a great Prime Minister. Meanwhile, demonstrations against Mr. Trump's visit have taken place. Owen Jones is one of the protest organisers. What we need to stand against is the values he represents. And I think the majority regard his sexism and his racism and his bigotry as anathema to what they believe in. And it's right that people, if he's going to be here and our own government isn't going to offer moral leadership, then it's right that we show moral leadership in the streets. President Trump earlier praised his NATO allies for committing an extra $33 billion to military spending. He told a news conference in Brussels he was very happy about assurances he'd got at an unscheduled extra session. But Mr Trump's statistics and targets haven't been endorsed by any of, uh, of the other NATO leaders. 
The United States has issued mixed signals about its developing relationship with North Korea. In the United Nations, it accused Pyongyang of importing more refined oil products than allowed under strict U.S. sanctions. But at about the same time, President Trump tweeted a note he said he had received from the North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. According to the message, Mr. Kim believes the two men have begun a meaningful journey. Pakistan's Foreign Prime Minister Nawaz Sharaf is on his way home from London a week after he was sentenced in absentia in to 10 years in prison for corruption. He's been disqualified by Pakistan's Supreme Court from standing in forthcoming elections, but remains one of the most popular politicians in the country. The BBC's Sekundar Kermani reports. Nawaz Sharif was not present in court when he was sentenced to 10 years in jail. He spent the last month in the UK, where his wife is in hospital in a critical condition. Now he's returning to Pakistan, alongside his daughter and political heir, who was also convicted last week. His party, the PMLN, had planned to hold a large rally close to Lahore airport to welcome them when they land early Friday evening. But officials say the pair will be arrested on arrival. Mr Sharif's supporters claim the Pakistani army has used the corruption allegations as a pretext to prevent him from taking part in the elections. Portugal's parliament has extended to 16- and 17-year-olds the right to change the official gender and name without having to obtain a medical diagnosis. Those aged under 18 will require parental authorization and a medical report. The BBC's Alison Roberts reports from Lisbon. In vetoing the bill, the president had said he wanted parliament to consider making a prior medical assessment required for under-18s to change gender. But the bill's proponents opposed any medicalization of gender identity. The amendments that were in the end made to the bill make clear that the doctor's or psychologist's report required for 16- or 17-year-olds to change gender must not contain any reference to a diagnosis of their gender identity, but state only that the person is informed and acting freely. The fantasy drama Game of Thrones leads the nominations for this year's American Television Awards. The Emmys, the popular HBO series, has nominations in 22 categories, including Best Drama. The streaming service Netflix has the most nominations, 112. It's the first time a streaming service has achieved more nominations than America's major TV networks. Business and financial news, the mainland's exports have risen at a faster than expected pace, encouraging news for policymakers looking to soften the blow from an intensifying trade row with the United States. Exports rose 11.3% in June from a year ago after a 12.6% gain in May. Imports grew grew at 14.1% last month, below expectations. That resulted in a sizable trade surplus of more than 41.6 billion US dollars for June. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index stood at 28,630. That's 149 points up from the previous close. The US dollar is trading at 112.63 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar 16 cents and the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 34 cents. The US Department of Justice says it's to appeal against a decision that allowed the telecoms company AT&T to buy up the entertainment giant Time Warner in an 85 billion US dollar merger. Here's the BBC's Paul Blake in New York. The US Justice Department says that it is working to undo the marriage of AT&T and Time Warner, two of America's biggest brands which tied the knot just last month. The two companies argued that they needed to tie up in order to compete with digital upstarts like Netflix and Amazon, but the Trump administration has argued that the combination would harm consumers. 
But now this mega merger, which also brings brands like Game of Thrones and Wonder Woman under the roof of America's largest pay TV provider, could be undone if the Trump administration wins on appeal. Now to sports, here's Adam Chung. Croatia's football coach Slako Delic says tiredness will not be an issue when his side play France in the World Cup final on Sunday. Croatia reached the final after needing extra time to win each of their last three games, while France are looking to lift the sport's most coveted trophy for a second time. Their most memorable meeting came in 1998 when Croatia made their World Cup debut and were beaten in the last four by France, who went on to win the tournament as hosts. Our football commentator Tobias Susser says the current Croatian squad reminds him of the one that reached the semis 20 years ago. The team now is often compared to the golden generation of 1998 when the likes of Davos Šuker finished third in the World Cup. This is also one of the oldest teams on average this time, and so it is unlikely that Croatia will be anywhere near that strong in the coming years. I think all the players know that this might be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and they will try building on this momentum after eliminating the hosts, Russia, and eventually England. I think the match against England actually showed that uh, they're not really necessarily getting tired uh, quite early on. Uh, particularly the stamina in the second half was extremely impressive and Luka Modric surprised a lot uh, with really chasing after each ball and probably also uh, through his performance underlined uh, his possible um, yeah, contender of, of becoming the Ballon d'Or. Some people suggest that Croatia might be have a disadvantage because they played uh, longer games over the course of the tournament but altogether I think that for this particular game they will all show up and uh, it will be a, a fairly tight and even match. To tennis and Serena Williams is just one win away from a record equaling 24th Grand Slam singles title. She's through to the final at Wimbledon where she'll play Angelique Kerber for the second time in three years. Both players won their respective semifinal matches in straight sets. Williams has dropped just one set on her way to the final and seems to have surprised herself with her progress. Yeah, no, this is not inevitable for me. I um, had a really tough pregnant delivery and, you know, I had to have multiple surgeries and almost didn't make it, to be honest. And uh, I'm taking everything as it is and just enjoying every moment. Finally, in golf. Thailand's Titapa Swanapurao shot six under par 65 to take a one-shot advantage into round two of the Marathon Classic in Ohio. It was only the second time in her seven-year career that she's taken the overnight lead at an LPGA Tour event. Taiwan's Yanni Zhang is one of seven players tied at five under par. Hong Kong's Tiffany Chan makes three birdies with two bogeys on day one to set five shots off the lead. And that's your look at sports. And that's the news from RTHK. I can't find any kind of respite from 
Laughing, don't ask me 